Amo the Great. So a while ago, I probably wouldn't even spoke on anything like this, but uh, since COVID and since the invention of these stock acts like Robin Hood or Webull, all that shit, a lot of uh, more working class people than got into stocks and specifically crypto. And if you invested a decent amount of money, you know, in the last couple of years, you're probably not too happy with what you're seeing right now because the stock market is in what they call a bear market, which is the opposite of a bull. A bear market is when it's a consistent loss on the stock market. So all of these cryptocurrencies and stocks, they're basically down and falling. If you understand the way that the economy works, you could kind of see this coming along with inflation. And this is all a result of you scamming ass motherfuckers. The COVID scammers, the PPP niggas, the unemployment uh, scammers all got this free money. Well, it seemed free. And for some reason, people just thought that the government was going to just allow y'all to take this money and do, go to Miami with it, get a BBL or whatever. Well, the government isn't built like that. The government is built to win. The government is going to take advantage of the money. They're not going to allow you to take advantage of it. So when you see inflation, we see a bear market, when you see all this stuff going up, you don't see anything rising as far as wages. It is because the government wants their money back. And they're going to get it. You have to understand this is the same agency that makes you work to be able to afford health care. Because healthcare is so expensive. You know, if you have to take an ambulance to the hospital, it's going to probably be about $10,000, even if they get you there and just give you a Tylenol. But outside of healthcare and stuff, you know, you work and they make you pay taxes on that money. You have to actually pay to work. It's the biggest scam ever. Once you get your post-tax money, which they call your net, your net pay, you take your net pay out into society and you buy things. Go to the grocery store and buy food, it's taxed. You go buy a car, it's taxed. You go buy some clothes, you're going to pay taxes on them. So you're basically paying to make money and then paying again to spend money. And if you didn't think that this evil empire was going to find a way to get back that 1200 that they gave everybody, to get back them $10,000, $100,000 PPP loans, that everyone got, then you ain't been paying attention. We could do all the complaining we want right now, but the government's not even trying to break even. They're going to try and make money like they do, and they will. And it's going to be at your expense, my expense, everyone's expense. Now, does that mean people were wrong for taking the money when it was available? Hell no, it don't. Something's free, you got to take it. But it does mean that complaining about it now is asinine because you should understand what was going to happen. The people that actually took those PPP, I'll tell you for the record, I did not get a PPP loan. You, you know, you can check my name. The list tells on everyone I did not get a PPP loan. But if I did, I would have made it work for me to offset the spike in pricing that we all knew would come. Now, during the pandemic, I did get into a couple of things that have been profitable and are continuing to be profitable. 
So I'm not feeling the pinch as bad as I could be had I made worse decisions. And it's not because I'm smarter than anybody, because I'm not. It's just that I understand democracy. I understand a capitalistic society. And I understand that money's power. They're not going to give the power to the people. It's just a saying. So if we learn anything from this, this is what it is. In the event that we get another global pandemic and they close the world down and they do another round of PPP and let you jerk them for unemployment, don't take 50000 that they're trying to get you. Try and get 100000 Try and get every penny you can to make it work for you. I'm not going to ever say that you should falsify documents or any of that because a couple of y'all will find out one way that they're going to get a lot of that money back besides inflating the economy is locking your ass up and getting free labor out you. And it might take a year or two, but they're going to come for a lot of people. And when they do, I ain't putting no money on your books because you ain't sharing none of that PP with me. Nah, but seriously, you know, they are going to lock people up if you did some false shit. You know, people do taxes and they lie on them. They stress the truth about donations, and that's kind of regular, to be honest. But if you made up some shit, if you went to your local We Make Pay Stubs nigga on Facebook or the fake ID lady on Instagram and she drew up a 1095T or a Schedule C and you use that fake shit to get some money, it's got your name on it, social security number on it, your EIN, your LLC. Keep your eye open. They coming. So I want to talk a little bit about work, the nine to five grind, workplace dynamic, and just work situations that most of us been in or gonna end up in at some point. And I think that you'll be able to relate to this because we've all been there. You know, most people have had a job at some point and these are going to be familiar struggles. So let's go. You know, you're out applying for jobs and then, you you know, you find a couple that you're willing to apply for because the pay matches what you feel like you need or the hours work for you, whatever. You may have a child care situation, whatever. So you apply for these jobs. You go through this process of trying to sell yourself, which you're going to really go send your representative and not your true self because you have to come off as a certain sort of so-called professional or you want to seem like that you're a good fit for the company so that they can hire you. So you go through this process, you go through interview, maybe multiple interviews. You know, sometimes you do the panel interview where you've got multiple people just staring at you, asking you questions. And you finally get the good news that they're going to hire you pending a drug test or a background investigation. So you know, that might be an issue for some people. You might have to go get a little something from the smoke shop to get through that path, that drug test. But you finally get a start date, orientation, and get excited. Because it's a new venture. It's a new chapter in your life. It's something to be excited about. So you get there. You have this orientation, say 15 people, you know, depending on what the company's hiring. Let's say on average about 15 people in your class. And these 15 people are going to be where you really get your first set of friends at work because you'll you'll bond with somebody. You have these small breaks where you guys have conversations and you'll be like, oh, you know, this this person's cool. 
So you kind of latch on to each other. Meanwhile, the company's telling you about the job. They're telling you about your, you know, what you're responsible for. They go over the pay and it sounds exciting. Every job sounds exciting, like a great opportunity and they're telling you how you can grow and all this other shit. So, you know, you get a week or two of this orientation training thing and you're going home and telling your friends and family and spouse or whatever, you know, what a great job it is, how cool it seems. And then they dump you off into the actual work. So once you get to doing the actual work, you know, you're going to have about a week of trying to figure it out and trying to see how other people do it and trial and error. And then once you get to a point where you understand the job, then it becomes a job because the learning phase is over and you're kind of, you know, passing time at this point. So in the process of passing time and you develop these bonds with your coworkers, um, you know, you'll get more friendly with some others and then you'll realize that it doesn't matter whether you are working at Burger King or if you're working at Google, you know, there there's clicks, crews and drama in all of these jobs. You just can't get away from it. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, nurses, and lawyers, there's always little clicks and crews and dramas going on. So, you know, you'll see who the people that's involved in these things mostly they show themselves, they let it be known that they're, you know, an issue in the office or in the warehouse or a factory or whatever. And in developing these relationships, you end up a lot of times, if you don't pay attention, you'll end up with this work crush thing or this work wife or work husband thing, <laughs> which is like, it's cheating. It's cheating. I'll tell you why. Work is kind of like jail in the sense that you are spending more of your waking time with these people than you are with your own family. So, okay, so from a, a standpoint of a new employee, when you walk into your job and you're surveilling, you're going to look around and you'll notice if somebody's attractive, you'll notice if someone's unattractive to you, you'll notice personalities, all this stuff. You may get to the new job and you'll say, man, all these girls in here is hit. All of them terrible. But eight to 10 hour shifts, two to three to four or five months working there, them raggedy motherfuckers start looking decent. It's like in jail. If you go to jail and if you ain't been to jail, you, you ain't going to relate. But if you have, you'll get it. You get in jail. And as a guy, you know, there's not that many women COs and, the ones that's there, they usually aren't the most attractive women, let's be honest. But after about two weeks, Ms. Johnson started looking straight. You know what I'm saying? She started looking okay. It's because proximity. Proximity breeds attraction. It breeds familiarity. So it's the same thing at work. These girls that you've seen that you would never talk to under any other circumstances, they start to looking good. You start to see in the good parts of their personality, too. So now you got this little work wife, work husband thing going on. And maybe she's even bringing you lunch. She's making lunch and bringing it for you. Or he's making lunch and bringing it for you. You guys are going out to lunch together. You guys sit together in the break room, take your breaks together. 
you'll start getting into personal conversations. It's just inevitable. It's human nature. She's going to tell you how she's not that happy with her boyfriend, which may be true. But what you don't understand is she may not have been happy with her boyfriend, but your company, your companionship for these eight to 10 hours a day, it makes her more unhappy with her situation at home because she doesn't see your other side, your dark side. And then you're going to be supportive because you're friends. So once you start divulging personal information, especially about relationships or family dynamic, it's just a slippery slope. And most of the time, y'all going to end up fucking. Let me be real with you. People will deny it all they want. This work, wife, work, husband shit, they're fucking. It, it just happens. It's going to happen. So you get into that. And then the the chatter will start because everyone else is going to see it. You know, your homeboys, your homegirls that you talk to on a regular basis, but maybe not as close with this work spouse. They're going to say, hey, what's up with that? I see y'all. No, it ain't nothing like that. That's what you're going to tell. It ain't nothing like that until it is something like that. You guys start hanging out on the weekend, blah, blah, blah. So that's a big chunk of what goes on in the workplace. But outside of that, while all this is going on and all these things you're discussing, you're going to start discussing the company. Makes sense because this is what you guys are doing. And you'll come to a point where you realize that everything you were told in training, everything you were told in orientation, the interview process was probably bullshit. You'll get to a point and you'll share notes and experiences in this place of work where everything the company's told you about what they are, about what you can be with the company it ends up being bullshit because just like you were selling yourself at the interview process, they were selling you at the orientation process because all these jobs have a high turnover rate because they don't treat their employees fair. Even if they treat you nice, they don't pay you well. And I mean, not a career. I'm talking about a job. If you're a doctor, you know, you're going to make some money, but these jobs, let's say they pay you $20, $23, $24 an hour, which is decent money. They're never going to come to you and be like, hey, you know, we notice as a company that gas is through the roof. We know groceries are high. You live in Las Vegas. The rent increase is crazy. And we just want to let you know that you've been doing such a good job for us. And we care about you so much that we're going to give you a wage increase to match the increase of living. It's just never going to happen. You understand what I'm saying? So a lot of people, especially in office jobs, and I can tell you because I've had office jobs, you have these company computer. If you were to go scrub everyone's company computer, I can tell you a website that you'll find on 99% of them. That website is indeed because once they realize it's all bullshit, that this company's been selling them, they're going to use that company time to try and find a better situation, as they should. But you also have, outside of how the company's going to treat you, you get the characters, the office characters, the warehouse characters. These people are the ones that have aspirations to be a team lead. They, they're like, they want to be the line leader in second grade. So they're the ones that, if you get a 15-minute break, and you take 20, they're the ones that's going to say something. 
you come in late and on notices, they're the one that's going to say something. When you have these meetings and they say, does anyone have any questions? And no one has questions because it's a meeting that's the same as the last 15 meetings you've had. This person will find a question. And they're the most annoying person in the office, but they're never going to leave because management will see this personality, this characteristic that they have, and know that they're for the company. They quit being for themselves. It's like they joined a gang. If they started working at Amazon and they used to be a crip, they're not banging crip no more. They're banging Amazon. They see a UPS truck. They're disgusted. It's the ops. They don't like them. People really get like that in the workplace. So my advice to anybody that's in the workforce is to use the company because they're using you. Trust me, you're a number. You're on a piece of paper. You're not a human to them. Even if maybe some people there humanize you, the company itself does not see you as a human. They're using you. They're paying you the least that they can pay you to get the most productivity out of you. So you need to use them back. If you have a job and you have a chance to promote, maybe you don't even want the promotion, take the promotion because you can use it on your resume for something else. You can learn a skill that you can implement into a small business for yourself. You can learn communication tactics. If you're in a factory or a warehouse, you can learn to use these different tools, you know, power jacks and forklifts and all this, take advantage, use the company for what they're for, but don't, don't over-dedicate yourself to something that you know won't reciprocate. Like I said, workplace is kind of like jail. Uh, corporations are kind of like gangs, and meaning that they'll send you out on dummy missions, let you crash out, and then hang you out to dry at the end of, you know, whatever incident. So what you need to do is put yourself first in these places. Do your job. If you're there, do your job, maximize your time there. And then whenever you decide to move on, you shouldn't leave a job without acquiring at least one extra additional tool for your tool belt. If you do that, you can progress, progress, and you'll find your way to a better situation. I'll tell you what, man, out of all the things you could be addicted to in life, Drugs, alcohol, sex, violence. The worst thing to be addicted to is lying. And I really mean that, man. Um, have you ever met somebody that just lies about shit that don't matter? And at some point they start to believe their own lie. So, like, I could be with one of my friends and they might get into it with a girl and they'll retell the story lying and they'll be like, look at me and be like, you remember that? It's like, nah, nigga, that's not what happened. You know what I'm saying? But you can't even tell them that because they didn't convince themselves that their lie, it's not even a perspective, it's a, a bold lie. They convinced themselves that the lie actually happened. When you get to that point in life, it's sociopathic. Like when a motherfucker lie to get out of trouble, like when the police stop you and you going 95 and they be like, you know how fast you were going? And you say, no, that's like a lie most people would tell. But when the police stop you going 95 
And they said, you know how fast you was going? He'd be like 64. And they're like, nah, Clark, you're going 95. Like, nah, man. You know, they really believe it. They'll go back and tell the story, man, I got pulled over for nothing. You got to really be aware of those people because if you don't have your word, you don't have anything. They're definitely going to talk about you behind your back and all that shit. And it's just a situation that you should want to avoid if you're able. So the opposite of lies is truth. So let me give you a couple truths. These are undebatable facts. They're not perspective. They're facts. When it comes to black folks, if you're going out, say you're in a strange city, or somewhere you ain't from, not familiar, you go out to the club. It's a nice line outside. Nice looking people going in. A little ratchet, maybe. And you get close enough to the door to hear the music. And you hear, tear the club up, nigga, tear the club up. Here's the truth. That club is going to get tore up at some point. It's going to be a shooting. You, you want to get out of the line right then and there. This is the truth. Now, Stepping into someone else's shoes, if you go to a predominantly white club where you may not be as familiar with the music, I'm going to give you their version of Tear the Club Up. Just in case you hear this song, you should know the truth is it's going to go left. That song, the problematic song for the white club is we're not going to take it. No, we ain't going to take it. We're not going to take it anymore. If you hear that shit blaring, they're going to fight security. If the cops come, they're going to fight the cops. You don't want to be the one of few black people in that crowd when they decide that they're not going to take it. This is a fact. So let's deal in facts. Let's tell truths. Let's believe history. NBA Finals is in full swing, and it's kind of playing out the way I saw it playing. You know, I've said a couple times I had Golden State in seven. I really might have to take that down to six because I think they're going to close the Celtics out in the next game. I got to tell you, man, I'm real disappointed in Jason Tatum. And unfortunately for the Celtics and for the Celtic fans, he really ain't did shit. He's been terrible in these finals. You know, the last game, he had his best game, and I think he he was the highest scorer in the game, but at least two of those games were were given away because he was not producing. Steph Curry's last game, he did not make a three-point shot, and I think he had about 233 games straight where he made at least one three, so you have Steph Curry not making one three-point shot The Celtics shot more free throws than Golden State, even though there was a lot of bad calls in that game. And you lost by 10. That that means the team is defeated. And I just don't think there's no coming back from that. It was a thing when the Celtics made it to the finals where Jason Tatum had posted where he texted Kobe Bryant and said, I got you. So I don't know if Kobe blocked his number from heaven or something, didn't text back or whatever. But this nigga needs to get Kobe on the horn because I don't see the Mamba mentality in him right now. He looks like he's just playing so mild. And then 
the team they're playing against, Golden State, you know, Steph Curry, besides Drake, Steph Curry's been leading the light-skinned delegation for the last, you know, seven-plus years. And Jason Tatum, you know, he pulled up. He's got his he's got his cute little son, Deuce, and he's like extra light-skinned. He got the wavy box, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, damn, this nigga's going to out-light-skin Steph Curry. And he's not. He really is disappointing out there. So I'd like to see him get in his zone. And for Boston to push it to a game seven and then maybe show up with that Mamba mentality in game seven. But the way it's looking now, it just doesn't look like it's going that way. Jalen Brown's been balling, though. Celtics need to run through Jalen Brown.